What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome to the Mid Catch Up Podcast. Here with your host, Lofton, aka Mr. Nice Guy, aka Mr. Hazadonis, aka I'm somebody, son. And it's of the woman right beside me. We got a special guest today. And it's my mama. I call her mama. I can't call her by her first name because that's my mama. I get in trouble. But that's my mama, aka Reverend Rhonda Alderman, chaplain and pastor. We have to speak that up. Doing very well. How are you today, Mother? Happy Mother's Day. Well, thank you very much for the Mother's Day wishes. It's always good to be able to see my son, who I'm very proud of. And thank you very much for inviting me to be on your podcast today. So I woke up from my Sunday afternoon nap <laughs> to get on the podcast because I always have the I have the Sunday afternoon uh, sleepies because of preaching on Sunday morning. Uh, also, you know the church food. Sometimes that church food gets you uh, give you the give you the, the the sleepiness. So it's always good, always wonderful to talk to you. Always great to see you. Me being down uh, in the south. AKA Florida, the wonderful weather, and you being up north in the great state of Indiana. Born. I mean, I, I, I had to say something. I'm from there, man. You know what I'm saying? You from there? It's great. Yes, right? I'm a Hoosier. Yeah. <laughs> I am a Hoosier. So, uh, <laughs> so being, uh, be, us not being able to really be together for Mother's Day has been great to, uh, you know, the first thing I thought of was, hey, I should get my mom on the show. This would be fantastic for us to hang out and, you know, be able to spend time on uh, on Mother's Day together. So I'm glad that you were able to make it. And you have a great perspective, it being Mother's Day. So we have a show that's going to be more Mother's Day oriented and in, in talking and whatnot. I want to try to keep it uh, very, uh, you know, I'm dealing with the past. So we have to make sure that we're on our best behavior today. So make sure everything's <laughs> good to go. Uh, really appreciate you again joining us. Um, and we move on to the drink of the day. And right now, because uh, it's, it's Mother's Day and I'm trying to be a good boy today. Uh, I've been, <laughs> I don't have a drink right now. Like I was like, we've been chin chatting. I didn't go back down and get a drink. So, but earlier today I was grilling, had a little uh, lemonade, was a strawberry lemonade and vodka. So I still kind of have that in my system. So I guess maybe that counts. But for my mom, like, what, 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 uh, what may you be drinking on? I assume pastor is drinking on holy juice of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now I'm drinking ice water. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, the holiest of juices. <laughs> but the every water. now and then I will have a little unauthorized communion of the grape mm, juice. Mm, yes, so, yes, yes. Well, I do I like to have a glass of wine every now and then. And and yes, the wine the wine is in the Bible. Is is it tonight? Okay. Yes, it is. There Jesus we go. Turn water into wine. There, he said, "Keep the party going." See, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what he did. You know what I mean? Everybody's good. Everybody clapped for him. It was fantastic, and we really yeah. appreciate. It. So, uh, for the drink of the day, that's uh, that's where we've gone. We're gonna keep it rolling, and we're gonna move on to the news of the week. So, there's been a lot of things going on many different avenues, many different avenues of approach that we can go on. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give everybody a little history lesson. I just wanted to look up with it being Mother's Day. I wanted to see why and who 
started Mother's Day. I thought that was very interesting. So I researched and I was like, hey, so for Mother's Day, you know, uh, figuring out how this started. And it was uh, Anna Jarvis of uh, Philadelphia. Her mother organized a women's group back in the day and uh, used to promote fellowship and health. And upon her passing, uh, which her passing was May 12, 1907, uh, they held a memorial service for a late mother. And that was one of the beginning of the original Mother's Day. Uh, History-wise, back in the Middle Ages, uh, it was developed uh, kind of going along with parishes and mothers of the Letter Sunday or the fourth Sunday of Lent, uh, becoming a mothering Sunday in Britain. Um, and then into modern times, they kind of uh, took on what <clears throat> what we do as well uh, in the United States as a being uh, Mother's Day celebrated early in May. So it was kind of one of those things that it was interesting that that was something that was pushed even back in the Middle Ages as of, you know, making sure that you're supporting, celebrating, and taking care of your mother. And, of course, America leading the way. We said, let's make it a day. People, let's enjoy mothers. So that was one thing that I did find out today. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool little uh, deal. Don't necessarily know why it's the 8th or, you know, that that particular weekend that we have it going on. But um, I thought that was very interesting. Uh, also, I'm I'm trying to trying to figure out you know uh, the debate. I mean, obviously, you being a mother, mm-hmm. you're gonna be like, "Hey, Mother's Day is better." And me being a father, I'm like, "Father's Day is legit." So my whole thing is like, <clears throat> Mother's Day. I look at Mother's Day as you get pampered, right? You know, mom mom gets to do nothing, gets to hang out. Most of the time, that's what you want be able to want to do mm-hmm. is hang out, don't do nothing, get some breakfast made, the house is clean for you, you're relaxing, somebody massage your feet, you know what I'm saying? Mom, just get the chill. You know, go get a pedicure, manicure, go to the beach, do whatever mom wants to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the thing that gets happening. See, now, Father's Day, we get to fix stuff. So, things get fixed. <laughs> <laughs> Things we may have had for the whole year that need to get fixed. For some reason that day, nobody bothers the father and we get to actually fix those things. Or my favorite pastime, get to go play golf. That's like the two things that you're allowed to do on Father's Day. Fix things, play golf. Also, you have to grill. So either like mothers get to (laughs) not do work, (laughs) fathers get to do work. So I don't know. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it works because then also on Mother's Day, fathers do work because then they do all the work that the mother was going to do. <laughs> they make sure that everything is getting done and they're, uh, you know, dictating to the children to make things go. So what do you see? You know, I mean, which which one's better? I mean, it looks like for mothers, it works out both ways. So, I mean, what, what do you see, uh, you know, in the differentiation of fathers and Mother's Day? Is that? You know, y'all, y'all getting you getting two more? Do we too much, or we need to equal out things, or what do you think? Well, I think I think Mother's Day works very well for mothers because we are our, our 
what mothers focus on most of the time is taking care of others, showing others that they're loved, that they're appreciated, and making sure that others, whether it be our spouse, our significant other, our children, grandchildren, that they have everything that they want and they have everything that they need. And because I'm, I'm a firm believer, if you've ever read the book about, um, it was done by two psychologists and it's called the five love languages. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. about showing that person love in what means the most to them. Mm-hmm. And so mothers usually really appreciate how Mother's Day is celebrated. I think for fathers, many fathers will say that Father's Day works for them because fathers a lot of times get to do what they want to do on Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Fathers don't necessarily want to sit back and do nothing because they're the grill masters. So women will offer to cook and go, well, what do you want to do? They go, and men will usually say, well, I want to, I'm going to grill some steaks or because we would cook it all and you wouldn't have to do anything if you didn't want to. Right. Right. So if you want to change your father's day, it's really up to you to set the parameters about what you want. True. Because if you were wanting to go play golf, then I'm like, all for you, go play golf if that's what you want to do. But I remember with my dad, um, he would be out in the, his way to relax mm-hmm. was to go out in the garden, go out in the yard, plant his flowers. And he'd be out there with the radio going and his shirt off and he's digging in the dirt and the grill is going. And he just thought that was a great day. There you go. Because that's what worked for him. And when I talked to some of the men this morning at church, I was like, what do you want? And they said, I'll be grilling on Father's Day. (laughs) And I was like, you don't have to. But they love to see their families rave about how great they cook. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you're a great griller. So when I'm down there and you grill, I'm like, this is Awesome. <laughs> and that makes you happy when your family is happy. That is true. Appreciate that. And you know, I mean, like I enjoy, you know, uh the woman, the women in my life to be able to make sure that they are pampered and taken care of on their day, you know, and uh, you know, it's one of those things that we didn't get the benefit of today, but you will be coming down to visit, so you'll get to be pampered and all that good stuff when you come down to visit us here in the in a couple of weeks. So looking forward to that. For sure. I am too. I know All it'll right. be a good time. Well, besides that, we also got, you know, we got to give you some of that, you know, non, non-Mother's non Day news. We also had, uh, you know, um, wanted to bring up, you, you brought up when we were doing our, our, our pre-show conversation, uh, you know, Mike Tyson. I wanted to find out, you know, what, you know, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit last week. But what was your take on when you first saw that for some reason somebody decided that they wanted to <laughs> they wanted to annoy uh, the former heavyweight champion, um, a.k.a. super angry dude from New York. And he also I don't know if they forgot that he also bit off somebody's ear. So, I mean, why would you want to anger that person? Like, you know, what what did you think when you first saw that come across the uh, the news scroll? Well, and I'll be honest, I did not go back and read all the details about Mm -hmm. it. 
Um, what I did here, I did look at the video. I was taught, and, and I laughed. I should probably shouldn't have, but I laughed when I first saw it. Because I thought, how stupid are you? <laughs> you decided you wanted to make Mike Tyson angry. You must have forgot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you said, that he bit the dude's ear off. But I also yeah. think part of it is in the society that we've been living under, particularly for the past two years with the pandemic, our lives being disrupted, people are on edge because yeah. they have not been able to process their emotions. Mm -hmm. See, this is the chaplain part coming out. There you go. People have not been able to process their emotions and their frustrations in the ways that they did pre-pandemic. So mm -hmm. everybody has this built up level of frustration. Right. And also with the politics being the way that they are, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of uh, people of color are feeling very uncomfortable as if our society is trying to take us back into the 50s. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of us are just tired of grinning and bearing it right? because as people of color in this country, you understand we have to grin and bear a lot mm -hmm. and we're just tired of grinning and bearing it. And so when people want to act like, you know, as the, um, the contemporary vernacular says, when they want to be Karens, <laughs> we're just like, oh, I can just knock you into next week. <laughs> And unfortunately, from what I can understand, this person got drunk and decided they wanted to hassle Mike Tyson. And so yeah. Mike Tyson, and I heard that supposedly he's asked like two or three times for them to leave him alone, and they didn't. So he said, yeah. I'm going to end this. And so yeah. he pummeled the guy. And I just kind of thought, how stupid are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you think you can just, people now just want to say all kind of crazy things. Two people of color, and we're just tired of turning the other cheek. Yeah, yes, yeah, uh, it was oh. very interesting. I never thought that would be uh, something that I would hear: is the random human being with no type of boxing training or getting paid money of any kind decided, "Hey, I want to go uh, get punched in the face by Mike Tyson." That was just weird as heck. That I <laughs> never thought that I would hear that wouldn't be, uh, you know, a top story on at news, etc. But uh, we saw it, and it was kind of wild, you know. Uh, it, it, yeah, he, he felt, it looked like the guy felt very entitled. Like, it was just, he was supposed mm -hmm. to do those things. And it was uh, it was very interesting the way that it went down. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, he's going to have some stars uh, to remember that by. So hopefully he makes better decisions in the future. Um, and unfortunately, you know, like, that's what's happened. People have gotten to where we've gotten in an age where we had, we've got politicians that have decided they can say whatever it is they want to say to anyone, that they can be disrespectful, they can be sexist, they can be racist, they can be homophobic, and they can say to you what they want to say and they think it's okay because we've turned the other cheek for so long. And we're just tired of turning the other cheek. So they're shocked because they've been able to get away with it for years and now there's video cameras. So right. when they act foolish, they're getting yeah. recorded and it's getting put on Facebook. It's nothing new because you and I have seen it our entire lives. It's just now they're lies. They can't lie about it because right. people are videotaping taping them in the midst of their sense of entitlement, their arrogance, mm. 
their ignorance and their isms, their racisms and sexisms and mm. all their isms. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, some light is shown and and people learn and try to get better. Um, another situation that took place, uh, you know, kind of it's like you know, famous people having weird stuff happen. Uh, and I mean, this may be uh, a part of you know the uh, environment that Will Smith has created. Uh, we got freaking Dave Chappelle, man. My man Dave, up on stage in L.A., thing, telling good jokes, laughing and laugh, ha, ha, ha. Random human being decides, hey, I'm going to run up there and I'm going to try to, like, stab or punch or tackle or whatever Dave Chappelle. And unfortunately for this gentleman, uh, there was a lot of... um. People from the uh, street areas of black neighborhoods <laughs> that was ready to do work. And that was out there. And this dude, his arm was the wrong way. Like, that's the video that I remember to the end yeah. of this day. Like, I was like, hold, I was like, hold up, is that a camera angle? When I first saw it, I was like, yo, that camera angle is crazy. Like, that dude's arm looked like it's like his elbow. Look like it's going the wrong way, and I was yes. like, they were like, no, that's for real. Like that, his whole arm was jacked. Up. I was like, wow, they beat the brakes off of him. And then after that, took it off stage. They continued to tell jokes about the dude. So he got <laughs> jokes told about him. He got beat up. And then, of course, you had to, and happened to be Chris Rock was there. And of course, I was like, man, you gotta. Like when I saw Chris Rock was there, I was like, oh man, he had to be like tell the nicest joke based on his experience. And, mm -hmm. you know, he comes on there and be like, hey, was that Will Smith? I was like, that's just perfect. That was just <laughs> perfection, you know. So what was your thought process when you saw that craziness happen to, uh, you know, one of the one of the kings right now with comedy, you know, Dave Chappelle? Yeah. Well, I, I, I have to admit, I'm like you. When I saw the video and saw the guy's face and his arm all bent up, and I mean, I shouldn't have laughed, but I did. <laughs> Lord forgive me. I should have had compassion. <laughs> I thought he didn't realize where he was. Yeah. I don't and know. I think it goes back to the culture of the last six years with what has gone on with our politicians, that they've been able to say and do crazy things and get away with it. Right. And he forgot that he was not at the Oscars. He was not at the Emmys. He was not at the Golden Globes. <laughs> Probably could get away from it there. You know, everybody got to stay could, professional. Yes, you know, because, those as you said, people have to look at the big picture. Right. And so, you know, Chris Rock was like, this is being televised around the world. This is my, my future. This is how I make my money. You know, I'm in a uh, an upscale arena. And I'm going to behave accordingly, even though Will Smith did not. Yeah. But he was at the Hollywood Bowl at a comedy show. Yeah. And he should have known. So for anybody out there, if you decide you want to run after a comedian, if you are not at the Emmys or the Oscars <laughs> or the Grammys, stay in your seat because you will get the beat down. <laughs> yeah, they go, hey. <laughs> they ready now, man. Like, I mean, it, it's unfortunate. Like, this is the thing that's actually crazy now is that, you know, like here in the, in the uh, state of Florida, they doing the whole, um, you know, concealed carry where you don't have to have a permit or training or whatever. They just like, hey, why, why would that joint? 
So now you could have people that are coming in as comedians. They, like they got to arm themselves and be ready and everything like that for the cats. And they going to look at something. They may see somebody thinking they about to go to the bathroom and thought they was about to come on stage. It could get like crazy <laughs> aggressive out here. Like you yeah. in the front row, make sure you stay in your seat until the show is over because a comedian may kick you in the face or something because they think because you was going to the bathroom you didn't like they joke and he was about to try to come up on stage so it's a yeah i mean you got comedians that are that are in a sensitive place right now and i mean that's a vulnerable place to be up on stage and you got the light shining in your face so you don't necessarily see everything that's happening out there and you know it could be a situation where he's like man i don't know what's going on you know, you see the first couple rows or you hear a voice that's, you know, yelling at you or whatever. And you talk a little trash. Let me see who that is or whatever. But now it's it's like, man, it feels like a Will Smith open Pandora's box. It's kind of crazy. Like, you know, yeah. that one action has created this like Pandora's box of like, you know, and I always say 99% of people are not going to react like that. 90% of people know exactly where they at. Hey, I came to a comedy mm-hmm. show to tell jokes. Like me and me and uh me and Jen, we uh me and the wife went to a comedy show. They were saying some things that for you know it was it kind of gone for most of the country. They kind of had this thought process on things, but then we had a you know, we had a epidemic, pandemic that affected people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And there were some things in there that was like, okay, well, they don't know people's history and what they may have gone through. So they're telling these jokes based on their experience. Right. And you're like, okay, well, okay, Roger. The jokes wasn't necessarily landing as funny for us because we have gone through some things. So it was like, okay, well, we were there, but we didn't get up and storm out. We didn't get up and be like, oh, this dude's trash or whatever that took place. We were just like, okay, well, they don't know the experience that we had with this. So... Mm-hmm. They're, these jokes are based on their experience. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so that's it's like, true. You know, so it's like one of those where it's like, you just got people out here, you know, and, and we were cool and calm, collective, but you got folks out there, man, that, that 1%, that 0.1% out there that just wilds out, and they just ready for drama and ready to do crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, uh, they're the ones that's like, oh, I buy, I'm ready to buy a ticket and go up in here waiting for something to pop off. You know, they're ready. Mm-hmm. You know, so which is yeah. a, a very different mentality than uh, than most people that are going to comedy shows or going to going to anything, you know. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, I mean, this is this is very much the Will Smith effect. It's kind of crazy that, you know, that one action has kind of created, you know, some weird, more hostilities at a comedy show. Like most people want to go to comedy to laugh. But, uh, you know, it's kind of weird that all the things kind of changed a little bit. Yeah, but I think it it goes back further to when Trump became president because it started off with you could say offensive things and it be okay. Mm. And so now they've progressed from saying offensive things. And then you looked at January 6th and how many of those people felt that they were, what they were doing was at the direction of the former president or the president at that time, Donald Trump, and they did that violence and they were told to, you know, he made statements like be ready to stand and fight or lock and load or whatever it was that he said. And so people are just, uh, people are on the edge. They're seeing the country change. They're fearful. And they started with talking because there was a time if someone had said what Donald Trump said, they would have lost the election right then. 
and nothing he said stopped his campaign. So now it's become okay for people to say whatever they want to say. And that groundwork was laid. Then January 6th came and we're getting people that stormed the Capitol charged with misdemeanors. I don't understand because if we had charged the Capitol, there'd have been much gunfire and it would be all felonies. I'm sure of that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, the, even though they're arresting people, it's misdemeanors. And now you've got people that have gone up and assaulted people at the Oscars and did not get escorted out of the room. I don't know how they allowed him to sit there because when they announced that he won that Oscar, it should have been the host coming out and going, I'm sorry, but Will Smith was unable to be here. I <laughs> the award on his behalf. Yeah. We sent it to him in the mail. <laughs> and why he got to sit there and yeah. accept that uh, award, because that made it seem like, oh, you get to slap somebody. You did a physical assault on mm -hmm. national television and you got to stay in the room. So we yeah. have allowed people to push the envelope and get away with it. But they have to understand if you're not one of them places, if you're not at the Emmys, yeah. the Oscars or the Grammys, a beat down is coming. They're not going to let you get, get away with hands. that. Yeah, you want to yeah. get them hands for sure. So yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. The uh, That slippery slope is kind of taking place. Um, yes, it is. And now I know this is something you want to talk about. <laughs> we about to get serious on the podcast everybody this is a i'm gonna give y'all a serious warning serious warning serious warning we about to get serious on the podcast there's not much that i can say on this topic right here but we about to get serious on the podcast hey mama said she want to talk about it yes hey it's mama's day so we about to talk about it so we're gonna talk about what's going down in the country right now with roe v wade so give me your perspective from being a mother, a minority, how this is affected, like how all these things and and what they're looking to reverse change, the, the opinion draft, all that stuff, like how is this uh, affecting you and, and where do you see that going for, you know, women and, and, uh, and people of color? Okay. See, just bring it up. My heart rate went Ooh, up. Come on. It's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I have to admit, I'm kind of surprised myself at how I feel about it. But I guess I have to give a little bit of history with, I think, what is driving um, how I feel about it. Uh, being a child of the um, 50s, um, and, and coming out of college in the 70s, I can remember graduating from college, being married to your dad. Um, at that time, before we got out of school, I had a job. And at that moment, he did not. He did get one. But um, you could take your offer letter from your company when you had a college degree. And I needed to get a new car. And I was able to take my letter, go to the dealership and say that, show that and say, I wanted to get a car. And so while I'm there, the guy tells me that I need a cosigner. And my first thought was, gee, my dad is two and a half hours away. 
he's not going to be able, I don't want him to have to drive all the way down here to co-sign for me. And the guy looks at me and goes, well, you have someone that can co-sign for you right there. And I said, who? And he was pointing at you. He said, your husband. And I said, do you understand that he doesn't have a job? I do. And he said, yes. <laughs> and I said, you do understand that if he, if I can't pay it, that means he can't pay it. He said, yes. But they wanted your dad to co-sign for me. I grew up in that era where you got married and you became less of a person with less capacity to make decisions for yourself. I had another friend of mine that had graduated. She was moving to Virginia, had accepted a job. Her husband, they had gotten married. Her husband did not have a job. She had bought a new car. They moved to Virginia. And once they got there, he was going to start looking for a job. She gets in her car and goes down to get insurance in Virginia. And they tell her she cannot get insurance on her car without her husband because the insurance on the car that she bought, whose title was in her name, she could not get insurance because she was married without her husband signing. Yeah, so take that. <laughs> that's different. Yeah. That's different. Oh, that's how it was back in the 70s. Yeah. Wow. And so coming from that experience, now we're in 2022. I have watched people march. I've seen videos about them cussing and ranting and raving about wearing a mask. And how dare anybody tell me to wear a mask so that you cannot get sick and possibly die or cause somebody else to get sick. So this is my perspective. All of this is in my mind. And now we have a bunch of men sitting at the Supreme Court and in governors and state legislatures around the country that are passing laws and restrictions about abortion. And these are the same people that have been yelling and screaming about, you don't have the right to tell me to wear a mask, but they want to tell me, they wanna get in between me and my doctor in that room and tell me what I got to do that's going to impact my life for the next 18 years minimum. Because once you're a mother, you're always a mother. So you're going to worry about your children, even when they grown like you are, Lofton, you still going to worry about your children. <laughs> and if my son needs me now at your age, you know I will be at the airport in a minute to come flying down there if you need me. Mm -hmm because that's what mamas do. Right. So I am just, I cannot believe the rage that I feel on the inside. Even though when I was faced, when I was younger, um, after my divorce from your dad, I ended up getting pregnant and wasn't married and was in a situation where it was like, well, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna have the baby or are you gonna have an abortion? I chose to have the baby, but it was my choice. And I was able to do that. 
And I just think that it's more about, they say it's about the baby, but I don't really think it's about the babies. Mm. I think it is, they call it the pro-life movement, but I think a more accurate description is the pro-birth movement. Because if it was truly pro-life, they would worry about the baby after the baby was born. They would want to make sure the baby had medical care. Right. They would want to make sure that the baby had enough diapers. They would want to make sure that the baby had enough food. They would want to make sure the baby had a safe place to live and a roof over its head. They would want to make sure that that baby had medical care. There's all, They would want to make sure that that baby had access to early childhood ed- education so that child could be successful in life. Right. But those same folks that are screaming about the sanctity of life and declaring that they're pro-life don't give a rat's behind about that baby once it's born. Right. Because once it's born, they want the mother to prove that she can go to work. They're saying they shouldn't be giving them money because um, they chose to have that baby, but you're trying to take that choice away. And if it were really about the baby, then let's look at a year, 365 days in a year. A woman can do one pregnancy in 365 days and bring it to term. Mm-hmm. Once she gets pregnant, she can't get pregnant no more than nine months. Right. So she can have one full term baby. And if she's really busy, she might get pregnant again. <laughs> she's not going to deliver till the next year. Right. But a man in 365 days can impregnate 365 different women. So if it's really about stopping abortion, then why aren't we regulating the genitalia that can really be the problem? They want to regulate the vaginas and the uteri, but they don't want to regulate the peni. So let's go there. <laughs> I don't know if they gonna I don't know if they're gonna bring that up on the docket. <laughs> But you I mean, get I, look, I totally understand. And, it, and the thing is that it makes all your points make all the sense. And it seems as if like looking the people, people in here that are making looking to make those decisions have uh, are, are not speaking to the right people. It, um, it's just one of those things, you know, I always, you know, we were talking about and I look at like everybody wants to have you know, freedom, like America is about freedom, right? And it's like, you want people to be able to make the choices that fit within, you know, their life. Um, And you want to make sure that everybody is doing it in a safe manner if they're making these choices. And that's what I look at it in that sense. Doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that'd be something that I would do. But it's one of those things, but taking that choice away from somebody. I mean, of course, me being a man, hey, I, hey, it's it's very much like, hey, it's a woman's choice. Hey, you do what you got to do because it's your body. Like, I mean, I would probably be like, hey, if I could cut my arm off or something, he's like, hey, man, um, no, we just cut off arms out here. <laughs> and I'm like, hold up, no, that's my arm. <laughs> like, no, nah, we ain't doing that. I need to go to another place that don't cut off arms. You know what I'm saying? Or I need to have the choice. See, to get my arm cut yes. off, and I am get my arm cut off. So it's it's just it's a simple thing of of that, you know, and and that taking care of children after birth, you know, like like you said, there's a lot of things in there that people are frustrated with, folks, um, you know, after the birth, 
Like they're like, oh, they should have did this, should have did that, or why they do this, why they make their choice, blah blah blah, yada yada yada. Um, you know, and and should be a situation where that support should really be there continuously. You know, not yeah. only you know for everybody. Like if you want everybody to succeed, like it should be one hundred and ten percent for every person. Like you right. should want every person to be the most successful person that they possibly. And to have that opportunity. And that's why I say it's really not about the babies. I really don't think it is. It was a way to bring forth something that they could couch it in a way that they could get people excited. They could Mm -hmm. get them to buy into the story that they were telling um, and get them to get on their side because nobody wants to see life taken. But yeah. I mean, I don't even think that women that have abortions, I mean, no woman gr- is walking around saying, gee, I can't wait till I grow up and get pregnant and have an abortion. It's not a goal, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. But but women find themselves in positions where they feel desperate and locked in. And if you have a woman that's in that situation, What kind of life is that child going to have if you force a mother that doesn't want that child to have that baby? Or if you force a mother that is struggling with mental illness or addiction, uh, you know, alcohol or drug addiction or all kinds of mental health issues, who is already overwhelmed and you force her to have that child, what kind of life is that child going to have? But I really think they're masking what it is that they're trying to do. Because if it were really about stopping abortions, even when abortion was illegal, abortions happened. Just what happened was more women died Mm -hmm. because they were doing back alley, unsafe abortions where they could not get the medical care that they needed. And so they're willing to trade the lives of the unborn for the lives of the born, for the women that are already here, they're willing to put their lives and their mental health at risk. And when you look at the Supreme Court in terms of the logic um, that they gave for why they instituted Roe versus Wade and why they instituted, said that it was okay for, gay marriage and why they passed the the bill saying that interracial couples in Virginia, I remember it was loving versus something, that mm-hmm. they should be able to get married. All of that was based upon privacy and having self-autonomy. Mm-hmm. So if they overturn Roe versus Wade, they are then setting the groundwork that they can go back and overturn interracial marriage, they can overturn Roe versus Wade, they can overturn gay marriage. And to me, it's not about whether you approve or disapprove of any of those things. But as a Christian, God gives everyone free will. There is good and there is evil in the world. And God allows us to choose, will we worship him and follow his biblical guidelines, which are wrapped up in the greatest commandment that says we're to love the Lord 
our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. And the second commandment is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. God allows us to choose, are we going to do that? Or are we going to turn our backs on him and live our life any old kind of way we want? Mm -hmm. And see, they're trying to take the free will that God has given to each individual to choose how they're going to live their life. Mm -hmm. And I believe that within the pro-choice movement, see, it's not called the pro-abortion movement because nobody's pro-abortion, but right. we're pro-choice. Yeah. That let that person make the choice for them. And it's another situation where we have institutional things against it, like insurance companies. They will pay for Viagra, right. but they don't pay for birth control. Yeah. So if you really want to stop abortions, why are you? Because let's be honest, nobody's going, they're not going to stop having sex. Right. We were created as sexual beings and people are going to keep having sex. So why not make birth control and condoms and all of those things available? Because if you really want to stop abortion, let insurance companies pay for birth control. Let Planned Parenthood, which they're after to destroy Planned Parenthood, and 98% of what Planned Parenthood does is women's health and giving out birth control pills and exams so people find out if they've got STDs or sexually transmitted diseases. But they want to take all that away, which will cause women to go undiagnosed, more people to get gonorrhea and syphilis and all this other stuff out there mm -hmm. that will go so far before they find out about it that people will die from that. But they want to say that it's about the babies. But if it was really about the babies, they'd take care of the babies. If it was really about the babies, they would come up with a database and get DNA for all the men so that when women get pregnant and have a baby, they can go find out who the daddy is and make that daddy support that child. If it's really about the babies. Yeah. But they want men to have autonomy over their bodies. Mm -hmm. But men want to have autonomy over women's bodies. Yeah. I didn't like you telling me that I need to have a co-signer to go get my car. <laughs> when that person, I could have understood my dad. Yeah. Who had a job and could have paid it if I couldn't. <laughs> nothing against your daddy. <laughs> but at that moment, your daddy couldn't help me with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just made, it was demeaning to women. Right. And what I see is they're trying to, when you ask people, that are in the pro-life movement and all of that about when was what when was the world wonderful? They want to go back to the 50s. Yeah. They talk about, you know, the leave it to beaver when the wives were at home cooking right. dinner and the men went off to work. And but see what they want to forget is for people of color, the black men were struggling to get jobs and the wives were going in cleaning the white man's house. Mm -hmm. They want to take it back to when all you saw on TV were white couples. It was like people of color were invisible. So I, I just got a real problem with it because they're trying to drag us back to the 50s and they're not being consistent about what they're saying it's about the babies. But if it really was, we're not the biggest problem with the babies. We can only spit out one a year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And all you got to do is look at what's the dude with the turbans. They got all the women pregnant at the same time. He was uh, married to Mariah Carey. His name. Oh, you talking? Oh, you talking about uh, Nick Cannon? 
Yeah, <laughs> let's look at Nick Cannon. <laughs> I mean, got the one. Yeah, I mean, different women pregnant at the same time. Now, I'm just talking about, of course, Nick has he's a millionaire, so he's got the money to take care of his kids, right? But we got Joe Blow out there doing the same thing Nick Cannon's doing, it's just he ain't taking care of nothing, right? So, if it's really about the babies, why are we aren't we finding Joe on the corner and making him take care of all eight of these babies or locking him up, right? Because they want to lock up women, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's different. And, then, uh, you know, uh, coming from, you know, your perspective, the things that you live through, especially from that perspective of growing up or, or or becoming an adult in that age of the leave it to beaver, the oh, I need uh, a man, just a man. Like, it's like, oh, I need a man to co-sign on this. But, you know, what I'm saying like that's that's a that's different. Like, that's something that you got a lot of people that, uh, you know, uh, haven't experienced. You know what I'm saying? They they think that that's something they want, but then it's like, oh, that's that puts you on lockdown. Like people like their freedom, mm-hmm. you know, male, female to be able to do whatever, but that becomes a choice that's, you know, kind of taken away from you. Even if, you know, even if it may be a situation where you may not make the choice or you may not be in the headspace right now that you even think that that would be a thing that you would do, but you don't know, you know, what what, uh, what lies ahead. So, um, I mean, great perspective like i i uh I, it's interesting you know and um you know i'm hoping that that things turn out in the in the right manner um to continue to allow people to have that choice you know even if just having it available it's like it's like having uh ice cream in the freezer it's available you know what i'm saying like it may yeah. not be you be like all right do i need ice cream but it's there though. You like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, at least it's there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. at least it's there. You know, I may have to work out a little yeah. bit more, but at least it's there. Like, you want to at least have the choice. You want to have the option. Um, you know, in case something, you know, something happens that that uh, you don't foresee, and and it it could be, you know, terrible. You know, no, you know, like I know yeah. people could get raped and you know things of that and that that uh, could happen stuff like that. So you wouldn't you wouldn't want for somebody uh, on that type of situation. You know, and there are times like if women have an atopic pregnancy, which is where the fertilized egg, instead of embedding in the uterus, stays in the fallopian tube. Mm -hmm. And see, what I think they don't understand is in a situation like that, if that fallopian tube ruptures, it can literally cause that woman's life. But to terminate that pregnancy technically would be an abortion. So you're forcing a woman to put her life in jeopardy right when you know that that embryo mm-hmm. or zygote or whatever it is at the point in time that they call it has right. no chance of survival right right so you can end up um, and the thing is and, yeah. yeah you can be pro-choice and still be there to help women try to to find alternatives mm-hmm. to abortion right yeah. But at least, you know, because you know um, what I taught you guys about how I felt about um, abortion and babies. And, and I kind of really, you know, after I had you, you know, you being my first child, I thought about that no matter when I would have intervened, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be here. Right. And I would, you know, look at your face as I held you in my arms when you were eight pounds and 11 and a half ounces and 21 inches long. <laughs> <laughs> and I would go, 
gee, I would not ever want to have not had this moment. Right. You know, to have this beautiful baby that was born and grew up into be this wonderful husband and father that I'm so proud of. But yet I realized that there are situations. I was in a situation where I was married. Your dad and I were both college graduates. And I knew that I was going to get through that and I could get good medical care. Right. And so I've always been, you know, I, I would always tell y'all, somebody get pregnant, we having babies. Yep. <laughs> but we were true. in the position to where you, we could afford to give that kind of support. We could afford to make sure that medical care took place. Right. Everybody doesn't have that. That's true. Good. And so I think you just have to give people choices. Mm -hmm. Um because when children are not wanted, we right. bring the them worst. into a world. And I've, I've just learned being a chaplain. I've worked mm -hmm. as an institutional chaplain in a prison. I've worked with hospice services as a chaplain. And I've worked with palliative care, which is when someone is dealing with a chronic illness and long-term pain, that the worst thing happening to you is not death. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's living. Right. So... Um, and I'm just frightened at what other things they're going to try to turn over because I think um, some of the religious conservatives in this country are really pushing for a theocracy. And I don't mm -hmm. think they understand what that means. If they have a theocracy where everything is, because we have multiple religions in this country, we have multiple denominations of Christianity, Mm -hmm. But whose Christianity are we going to enforce? Right. Who gets to write that rule? Right. You know, are they going to try? They want us to be like we're in um, some of the, the Muslim countries where they have a theocracy, where the government gets to determine how that religion is practiced. And I don't mm -hmm. think they really want that. Yeah. I saw on Facebook one day and I thought, well, that teacher really understood the assignment where, um, it was a teacher in Florida, in fact, where you are with the, the don't say gay, as they're calling it, rule. And in class, this teacher wrote a letter and sent it home that based upon this ruling, it says that you cannot uh, teach sexual orientation to um, kids like in the third grade and younger. Right. And so the teacher said, therefore because I'm not allowed to teach gender assignment, every student will be addressed with the pronouns of them and they. Mm -hmm. Because if you say he and she based on how they look, you're still teaching gender. Right. Yeah. And I was like, oh, somebody asked me what I thought. I said, well, the teacher understood the assignment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're not going to teach gender, then you can't call anybody he. Anybody anything. You can't call anybody you she. Just, it's gotta it. be they and them. Yeah, so that they can then pick their gender or it be reinforced at home. Right. And they don't really they don't think this stuff through when they do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's one of those things that uh you know, it's it, it's not uh getting into the weeds and really psychologically and socially understanding what will take place when these things are implemented. It's very much like, hey, let's let's uh make people not talk about this we don't want people to talk but then if you're enforced the rule the way that they are you know writing these things the way that 
that that uh, politicians and and those that may are writing these things, and you don't look at the fine print, and you don't create fine print, and you don't make levels to it that make sense on really what you're trying to accomplish, um, then you could end up in situations where you know all of a sudden you know your kid comes home and you're like, I'm a them, <laughs> and then it's like. They don't, you know what I'm saying? They can't write a sentence without saying them and everything. And you're like, hold up, you supposed to, yeah. So it, it could, you know, it could flip the script and, and some of those things, you know, uh, if yeah. it goes that way. So, but and they uh, don't understand too when they did that thing about government, when they were, when they started saying, you know, we got the Ten Commandments posted places and they, you can't fly the Christian flag. And I thought, and I didn't get upset about it. People were mad. I said, but do you realize as we've had um, immigration and, and, people have freedoms and we now mm. have people that are less religious. Mm. If you force them to fly the Christian flag, and I just read an article uh, this past week where, and I don't remember where it was, where the Satanists are now wanting, because they, you know, force them to fly the Christian flag. They're wanting mm. to fly the Satanist flag. I said, y'all mm. should have left it alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, standing on, kind of pushing pushing agendas that uh you know not looking at the flip side of the situation because because we live in the united states and it's a country based on freedom and that's right it's like now, now you're like well now we gotta have it now i'm just like oh well and then be like but that's not what that be and you be like well you shouldn't have said that because now <laughs> you you opened it you opened the box like yeah you would have just been like i'm gonna do my joint at the church i'm gonna kick it at the crib like I'm not trying to put it on whatever, whatever. And now all of a sudden, man, you open, you open, you know, you open yep. that can of worms, you open that Pandora's box. So now you gotta, now you dealing with it, and it, and it doesn't feel well when you didn't think out the process. You know, That's you didn't, true. you didn't think deep on it. it. Was very, uh, you know, very surface level in the thought process and what you were trying to get done. That well. We're going to move on this heavy topic. My shoulder's <laughs> tired right now. Like, <laughs> we're going to move off the heavy topic. We're going to move to the music of the week this go round. So we're going to hit up this music of the week. And we're going to let y'all know what is going on here on the Mint Ketchup Podcast. So we had, uh, we had a good amount of music that came out this week. Um. It was uh it was a great week, of course, for the May 6th, 2022. Uh, we had a few things come out. Uh that Black Star album, uh No Fear of Time, still on a uh on a uh, a date to be announced, but I'm looking forward to that. We got a little go get it, uh the cheater. Uh, we had the Jack Harlow come home, the kids miss you. Good album. We got IDK simple. We had Heart on My Sleeve by Ellie Mae. And he had Based on a Feeling by Sabrina Collado. And we have YNWB Slime, GOAT, that had came out this week. So um, I had a busy week. I did get to listen to Jack Harlow. I listened to IDK and the Ellie Mae. That, that was uh, the ones that I was able to get in between my ears. What we have right now, hey, that Ellie Mae, Heart on My Sleeve good album you got the uh the single that's out there not another love song and i did like the uh dfmu was pretty good uh you got the uh you had the uh jack harlow is my other one that i uh listened to had some good stuff come home 
the kids miss you of course 15 songs at first class that's already out and i did also like movie star they had a uh, good solid albums um they were very well done enjoyed them um i'm gonna try to do some more deep dives in some of the other albums here in the coming week um but they were uh very well made i'm liking some of the styles after doing this segment and and understanding and seeing a lot more of this stuff i'm really enjoying some of the artists that are out there um so it's kind of changed not necessarily on all the types of uh of hip-hop that's out there but it's changed my mind that there are some uh there's some artists out there that i can i can sit there and listen to their music you know i uh, don't want to be you know I'm, uh, I'm getting up there in age so i don't want to be the old the old fart guy but um you know it's uh, it's one of those things like there's some there's some guys that got some real talent out there and are, are making some good music so i want to make sure that we're giving them their props and uh everything that's going well with that so i really do appreciate it and like i said that ellie may jack harlow got some good songs on there they've got some things that are on the radio but they do have some good uh b-side selections that they got going on on their albums as well so uh make sure you go check those out and uh we'll get back to our music of the week in the future all right so now we gonna go we'll talk to my mom I mean, we did the news, so I mean, you kind of got a little taste of uh, how Mama gets down, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> but uh, you know, wanna wanna kind of do a little more uh, deep dive in, you know, gotta interview Mom and and see. I know a little bit of her story. I know the people out there don't necessarily know uh, all of her story, but I want to make sure that uh, people understand, you know, uh, what type of mom I got and and uh, what she's uh, done and gone through and and been through uh throughout her life to make her the person that she is and a, and a great mother so um first question so um you know as you were growing up what what was something that you could take um from grandma that you utilize while you were raising me and and my sister what, what was something that was, was good was good uh advice that grandma gave to you Hmm. I really think what mom gave me was an example. Hmm. Um, because the how I, you know, like I would always get up in the morning before I got you guys up and I would take my shower and I would get dressed. And when I went in to wake you up, you know, I would cook breakfast in the morning. You guys had a hot breakfast before you went to school. And those were all things that my mother did. Mm -hmm. uh, I would, you know, I don't think I realized my mother really slept until I got to be in <laughs> high school when I stayed up until 11 o'clock because yeah. she would be up when I got up in the morning and she was up when I went to bed at night. Mm -hmm. And I think that you and Amber saw that with me, that until you got to where you stayed up till 11 o'clock, I was always up. <laughs> yeah. And so it was that example of getting up and getting myself ready, making sure that I fed you, that you had clothes to wear. It was take care of your children uh, mm -hmm. to make sure that you guys had everything you needed. And if somebody was going to do without, it was going to be me. It wasn't going to be you and Amber. Mm -hmm. So I always put you guys first and I wanted you to know that you were loved. So I would always hug you and tell you that I loved you. And that's something that we did every day. Mm -hmm. You know, and even to this day, when we talk on the phone before we get off, we always tell each other that we love each other. I don't want you to ever, I never wanted you or Amber to doubt 
that you were loved and cared for. So um, with uh, you being, like I said, a college graduate, successful woman, like what was the difficulties being getting that both that duality of being a successful college graduate in the professional world and whatnot, and then also being uh, a professional mom, like being able to balance that, those worlds, what were, what were your difficulties and, and uh, how did you become so successful? at? Ooh, there are times I don't feel like I was successful at it. <laughs> um, particularly after I got married the second time. <laughs> you ain't gotta bring that up. We're gonna skip over that. We're gonna skip over that part. But it's all yeah. good. That's about what bad dads are about. But anyway, and stepfathers. Um, Lord have mercy, Jesus. <laughs> um I don't know. I think it was just, it's kind of like a work ethic. There's like a, it was like I had a mom ethic that, you know, I had to make sure that my kids were taken care of, do what I needed to do for them. If I could say there was anything I wish I could do over, it would be to have a better understanding of how self-esteem is developed in children and how, um, a better understanding of mental health issues in terms of anxiety and what can trigger kids and how to identify that. Because I grew up in an era where it was just like, you better stop that crying. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, but stop it. Uh, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you a reason to cry. You're like, well, there well, you go. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wish that I would have had. Um, I think I did a better job of talking to you and Amber more. I think with each generation, parents learn, okay, try to listen to your kids better. Uh, you know, because when I was growing up, kids, we were told, you ain't got no opinion. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you guys at least had an opinion with me. Um, right, right. Um, but I wish that I would have understood those things better. Um, so that I could have done an even better job of making sure that you guys were equipped, well-equipped to do, to step out into life and become successful. So like uh, knowing that I, I saw you transition uh, multiple in different jobs, different fields, um, what would you say was like, your favorite transition or position that you had uh, in your career as of at this point? Hmm. I would have to say, I mean, the very first job that I had out of college, when I worked as a buyer for a department store, I started off as an associate buyer and got trained. That was big fun because mm -hmm. growing up in a small town, um, coming out of colleges in the 70s, to be able to work for a department store and go to New York five times a year, the things that I got to see, that I got to experience, mm -hmm. uh, being in a big city, um, it was that was just amazing. Um, mm -hmm. And I can remember being in the Empire State Building one time because um, 
uh, reps for the different companies would, if they liked the buyers, they would, you know, you could, we would get a per diem per day, but I could get, I got where I got along with everybody. So I would get like all my lunches paid for and all my mm -hmm. dinner paid for. Yeah. And so the way our company was set up is whatever money you didn't spend, you got to take home. So I got to where I was coming home with dollars, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I was like, hey. this is awesome. And so, you know, having the experience of going to a restaurant where there was no menu yeah. and it was just the waiter served you uh, or the chef served whatever it was for that day and having a right. seven course meal when I'm in my 20, you know, my late twenties, yeah. uh, never seeing anything like that in, in Richmond, getting mm. to go to Chinatown and little Italy and all of the culture that I was exposed to in New York, mm. that was just eye opening. Right. It gave me um, a world perspective that I didn't have growing up in the Midwest in a small town mm -hmm. uh, and being in Indiana, but getting to go four times a year to New York. So I got to where I knew my way around pretty well. And I could give people directions in Manhattan. Uh, <laughs> to go see Broadway shows that I, you know, having never experienced that. And I learned about the half price ticket booth in the middle of Times Square. And we yeah. would go get tickets in the afternoon. And for shows that were not sold out, they would sell tickets at half price. Yeah. And so then we'd buy those tickets and go see Broadway shows. So I saw Dream Girls on Broadway. Mm -hmm. I saw the Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. I saw a variety of different shows. I got to see The Wiz when mm -hmm. it was on Broadway. Yeah. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And I think um, had, I'm, I mean, there were still times I realized that where I ended up, there were times that I would go, is this really what you should be doing? Because we're in marketing and we're saying things right. certain ways to get people to buy stuff. You know, right. like, hey, that's sales. <laughs> look, look, I've been I've been in sales too. Like I know yeah. it's some interesting stuff that uh yeah. That and stitched, so you so. get it. We would find that wording things certain ways would work, even though it was no bigger of a discount than another one. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I realized that deep down inside, there was always this desire mm -hmm. to be able to do something and to help people. Right. And so as I, because my experience was in marketing, I then I went into some sales jobs after all the department stores started buying each other up and my company was bought and all of the buyers lost their jobs. And I found just sales wasn't really my thing. And then I got my call to ministry and uh, working as a chaplain. I feel that that's, that was my primary call and my secondary call was as, as a pastor. Mm -hmm. But doing that work has just been life fulfilling. Right. Um, to meet people that were in, you know, I worked for seven years as an institutional chaplain in a prison and to meet people who had been so damaged and had been through so much trauma mm -hmm. um, and to be able to be exposed to things that take place in this world right. that you would never believe really happens. Right. Um, and to be able to help them be restored from their trauma is just 
life-changing when you know that you've done something and been able to help someone that has totally changed their life. And that's what I see in ministry. You know, we have, Mm -hmm. of course, you always run into people that are upset about something and you listen and you talk and, you know, and they kind of work their way through it. But there are those times when you see life-changing events that Mm -hmm. take place through prayer and conversation that you've had. And you realize that there are people that are alive because Mm -hmm. you were able to encourage them to go on. Uh, There were people that decided they were going to change how they lived because of conversations that you were able to have and expose them to the divine power of a loving God and a forgiving Mm -hmm. God. So you can't put a price on that. Right. Um, Yeah. You know, when I've worked with people as a hospice chaplain that are near death, that have turned to me and said, I'm ready to go and I couldn't have done it without you. You know, and when they make those statements and, and I turned to the person and said, but I couldn't have done it without God, you know, and, and there's no price for that. And I look forward to seeing those people again, you know, one day. Mm -hmm. Um, I even helped with, um, ministered to someone as a chaplain that was being executed by the state. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget that. Um, but they were at peace when it was time for them to go. So. Yeah. I mean, you're, I mean, one thing that I love about you being my mom is that you've had so many experiences that I feel like I can almost go to you with anything. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, you speak about working as a chaplain in the prison system. You like, like it's, it's, uh, it's comforting to be able to know that no matter what is going on in my life, that I can come to you and there'll be some nugget of something. It may not be something that you dived into. It may be something that was adjacent to something that you experienced, but you have some type of insight into whatever it is that that may come my way. And that's one thing that uh, I really appreciate about you being my mom. And I try to take advantage of it all I can. <laughs> yeah. I and, think it uh, has you know. really helped to make me a better person because it has broadened my horizons and it's allowed me to see the pain and anguish that people go through and to not be judgmental. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think so many times as Christians, and this is one of the things that breaks my heart, that when we first really start reading the Bible and we're reading it on a surface level, we take it on a surface level and we don't always look at the true meaning underneath the story of what God, mm-hmm. the less, the true lesson that God is trying to get us to say. And when we get into the New Testament and he says, you know, about the greatest commandment that all the laws and the prophets hang on those things, right. it really does. When he mm-hmm. says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. 
And if I'm going to love you the way I love myself, first of all, I've got to be healed enough to love myself. And it has taught me to face my brokenness, to face my issues and to forgive myself and try to heal because wounded people wound people. That when we're hurt, we reach out and hurt others. So if I can heal myself, then I can try to not wound you. Right. And I've learned over life. Um, you know, another thing that I did my chaplaincy training, I did two years at the VA and I worked with Vietnam vets and I had military people confide in me about things that they did in war. And mm-hmm. so I've learned that any of us at any time, based on the circumstances that we're in, can do things that we never, ever thought we would do. That when we're under pressure and when we're put in certain circumstances. And so it's taught me to not look at someone else and think, gee, I'd never do that. Because there was a time when I would have. Yeah. But now I've learned, you know what, but by the grace of God go I. But what I have done, God has forgiven me for. Right. So therefore, if I want God to forgive me, then I need to be able to help you find forgiveness. Because if right. it wasn't for the blood of Jesus wiping away our sins, all of us would be lost. Right. And so it's just really shown me, it, it took me off my high horse about what I haven't done, you know? Right. <laughs> you know? Um, and that's why I've always tried to tell you and Amber, you can come to me with anything because I can't imagine anything you could say to me that I haven't heard of. Right. <laughs> I mean, really, <laughs> I've had some stories. I've had people mm-hmm. that have participated in, uh, the Wiccan religion. I've had people talk to me that were Satanist. And I found out some stuff that was going on with that, that, oh, stuff you see in some of them horror movies that you think it really ain't happening. Yeah, It's happening in the world. Yeah. It's happening. So, um, hey, I'm like, it's, it's all about bringing people to reconciliation and wholeness. And, mm-hmm. and that's where I come from. And I hope that I can establish a safe place mm-hmm. where people know that they can let it all go with me mm-hmm. and they're still going to be okay. That I'm at the end of the day, I'm still going to love them. And I'm still going to tell them that God loves them. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, uh, I mean, that's you're, you're in the perfect spot and, uh, and in the perfect career field to be able to really change lives. And, and uh, I'm glad that you had that calling, was able to have that fulfillment. You know, you're helping people fulfill their their life and it's helping you fulfill your life. And, um, you know, it's helped me, it's helped my family, it's helped my sister, you know? So it's one of those things where like, it's not just, it's not just, uh, you know, yourself and, and, and clients or whatnot, have you kind of touched everybody you know that's around you that see it all the time um also since we do a little music on here i gotta know you know uh 
during during your time and and working in sales and and moving all the way up to this this period of time you know what uh what was usually your your background music you know we're gonna move into what we call respect your deck so i mean i know you remember i mean you probably had a couple decks in the situation so i know you had the 45s back in the day and then you had eight track deck eight track deck and then we had the cassette deck so now i'm like so we kind of did a thing called respect your deck and we want to you know understand what our guests like, what are those things? What is that music that really makes you uh, that that holds tight to you? So, trying to respect your deck, like, what what would you say? Like, what was your go to album? You know, anytime I know you being a chaplain, you could be a gospel deal. I know, you know, at one point you weren't a chaplain, so it could be, you know, <laughs> some good old disco or something you was rocking about. I don't know. So what would be that go-to album if it was like, okay, I got to listen to this over and over again? You know, the old, old, I'm stuck on an island type situation. Or what would be that go-to album for uh, for for you, Mama? It would be The Spinners. The Spinners. You remember, yes. uh, like, what particular album? Or do you, or is it uh, just their catalog in general? Their catalog in general, what I really play, because um, I actually, I even have it on my um, iPhone. Mm -hmm. I have like the essential spinners. Okay. So yeah, like, I've heard those. Could it be I'm falling in love? Mighty yeah. love. You know, it was like, that was. Look at that. I even know that joint. Yay. <laughs> 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 and that was out when I was in college. Mm -hmm. That was the music that I fell in love with your dad on. That okay. was just college fun, great times, great memories. God. And so that is music that I can put on on a Saturday morning and get up and clean the house. And I could just be dancing through and dusting and, mm -hmm. you know, doing laundry and getting stuff done. It gets my heart yeah. pumping. It reminds me of great times. Mm -hmm. um, I also liked um, Earth, Wind and Fire. Um, Stevie Wonder, Superstition. I mean, eight... Yeah. Um, you know, like Earth, Wind, and Fire, like September. Mm -hmm. uh, what was the album that had the triangle on the front? I rem I remember that seeing that album all the time in your yeah yeah. Uh, you had like the whole uh, the case that we had yeah. in our room, and you had the albums was on the bottom because I always used to pull out Michael Jackson Thriller album. Yeah, and I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. that. I remember that. It was a jam. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. jam out. Oh yeah, and like you know, Prince Purple Rain. Purple oh Rain. my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> that was just fun music, and that's what I like to to dance to and to party to. And if I've got to get particularly physical things because of the mm -hmm. kind of work that I do, right? When I really get serious with the work, I kind of have to mm -hmm. shut the music off. Okay. Um, yeah. But if I'm, you know, like up, if I'm doing laundry, I'm cleaning the house, I'm running errands. Mm -hmm. I like that. I also like uh, another one of my favorite singers was Luther Vandross. I do know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a play Luther all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I did think of um, 
one rap album that I really like. Uh-oh. Okay, here we go. Here we go. What's the rap album? <laughs> we gonna see this one. What's that? You're gonna laugh at me. I probably am. I'm like, I'm I'm trying to think <laughs> what album that would be that I play like maybe I played in the house all the time when I was younger, but I don't yeah. know. Let's let's see. Let's let's go with it. The Broadway soundtrack to Hamilton. <laughs> oh, it's a good album, though. I love it's a good it. Album, though. I, I mean, Hamilton, that'd be jamming. They be doing this thing. I love it. And it's I love that historical record, maybe. So I kind of sort of yeah, because I can understand what they're singing. (laughs) (laughs) That was that's been that's been the take ever since she's heard her first rap album. Like I don't know what they're talking about. Like um... (laughs) (laughs) I'm. And if I do like the song, y'all tell me, no, mom, you can't sing that. (laughs) The only thing I understand is the break. Yeah, and then I'll be like. Yeah, m- most of them aren't chaplain appropriate. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just gonna say that. So uh, uh, let's continue with the uh, respective thing. So, what would be that one song? What's that one song that you would take to the island? You guys, just give me one. I know we went through a lot on the albums, but we had spinners. Oh. We knew that part. So, what's the one song that you said, "Hey, if I could listen to this, then that's that's what I would be listening to," or or your go-to, like, "Ooh, this is this is the." First on the playlist of your, hey, I'm about to clean the house. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, that one, I always know that one's coming. Oh, the first one on the playlist. Well, you know what? It would probably, right now, mm-hmm. it would probably be, um, oh no, that's terrible. I'm trying to think of the name of the song. As much as I've listened to that. Bruno Mars. Which one? You got uh... the one about Michelle oh, Fire uh... for that ISO. ISO, yeah. Oh, I uh, love that song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, let me make let me let me make sure I get this right because I don't want to. Uh, it's terrible. It I can't think of the name of it. Hold on, let me pull it up. I know I got it. Um. It was the one he did with the. Um... Why is it uh, Uptown Funk? Yes. There you go. I got that. You. Uptown got Funk you. is just so much fun, and I know all the words yeah. to that one. <laughs> <laughs> Every single word to Uptown Funk. Yeah. So, but, so, but if I had to be on an island, I would have to have my inspirational music. Gotcha. Gotta have. Gotta have some uh, some Jesus. So yeah, I gotta have yeah. me some Jesus to keep me going. Yeah. And right now, my my the gospel album that I'm really listening to mm-hmm. is uh Tamala Mann's Overcomer. Okay. All right. I'm to, hey, everybody out there, check that out. What was that again? Tamala Mann. Tamala Mann Overcomer. Go check out Tamala Mann's Overcomer. I really enjoy that album. And I like if there's 15 songs on there, I love all of them but one. There you go. And unfortunately, the one that I don't like, she has a rapper on it. <laughs> and I can listen to it, but yeah, I'll skip I got it most of the I time. The preacher said uh, go check it out. So that's one thing that you should do. And now give me uh give me your artist. Who is your artist? I mean, I this is what I would guess. I have I have a guess that would be the artist. Now, non-gospel. Non-gospel so who would be, artist. Who would be 
like I know the non-gospel artists who I would guess, but give me For like current your, day? any like just over your span, you know? So like who's See, your artist? Who's your I mean, like you can give me a gospel and non-gospel if you want to do that. I mean, if I had to take contemporary music right now, it would be Bruno Mars. Okay. Cause his music re it reminds takes, you. It reminds you of the, yeah, I got you. Yes, it would be. Um, But if I had to take something from back in the day, Mm -hmm. ooh, that's hard. Because, I mean, I really like Michael Jackson's music. But, you know, Princess Purple Rain will take you to church. (laughs) Purple Purple Rain is, is a masterpiece of an album. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, ooh. If I had to listen to one artist, that's really hard. It's tough. It's tough. Because the ones we talked about, I love Luther. Just his his voice is and that, just and that's hard. where that's what I would have guessed is that you would have said like Luther Vandross. Like if you had to listen, that's the catalog. You'd be like, okay, I got Luther's catalog, and that's the artist. That's what I would have said. Yeah, if I had to just go with one, because there are things about Luther's songs that just mm-hmm. really touch you yeah. in your spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That's what I would yeah. have guessed is Luther Vandross. So I would, I would have, if you were like, "Hey, send me some music of an artist," I'd have been like, "All right, let me get all Luther Vandross." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I like all his stuff. I yeah. really do. I was sad when Luther left us. I really was. Yeah, so. he jams, man. He used to get down. He used to get yeah, he did. So. so, and my other song, my other gospel song, I would recommend mm-hmm. people listen to is, um, "He's the Lifter of My Soul." That is by. Oh, I'm so terrible with names. <laughs> It is, he's probably in one of my playlists. I actually have mm-hmm. his video on here. It is uh, Ricky Dillard. Ricky Dillard, all right. He's the and lifter called, of my soul. You're the lifter. You're the lifter of my soul. Ricky Dillard. Yeah, he even has a video, so check it out. There you go. go check Choir out. singing. Tamla Man is featured on it. Okay, there you go. Take you to Tam- church. Tamla Man popped back up. She's on it. Well, um, it's been uh, fantastic having you on the show since I have not been able to be right there and give you a hug, virtual hug, but it's been fantastic. I'm glad that you were able to uh, bless me and the audience with your presence. Uh, we've talked about a lot of things. We hit some memories. We've hit some uh, serious topics. We've had some fun with some music. We've given out some uh, some good gospel and non-gospel uh, things to listen to and uh, giving us your respect to deck. Um, I really appreciate you, Mom, not just as a guest, but as a mom. Love you with all my heart. Get my everything. You do everything for us. Um, you're my support. You've supported more than you know. And you supported a lot, but you supported more than you know. And it's been 
sentences, paragraphs, talks, examples have influenced my life, the way that I raise my children, the way I try to interact, the way I interact with women has been seriously influenced with by you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and trying to make sure that some of the things that I saw you go through were not passed on. And I tried to do my best. May have fell short a little bit, but I always tried to do my best to make sure that, um, you know, I could make sure that nobody else would go through those type of situations. And when I when I saw you sad, frustrated, angry, um, that I did my best on, on my face, my side to try not to have those things happen. So I really appreciate you. You've been a uh, a wonderful influence, and you've always been. Um, you know, you and Dad have always been a guiding light on continuing to get better, continuing to improve continuing trying to be a better person and i just want you to know i love you with all my heart and i hopefully you had a wonderful time and a wonderful mother's day getting to spend at least an hour and a half with me yes i did thank you very much and before we get off you've made me very proud as a mother but i have to talk about one song that brings back fond memories okay the song that I made up for bath time. <laughs> oh, and, oh and, man! Go the booty. <laughs> I mean, look. All right, everybody out there. This, this, okay, y'all gotta put this in the comments if you if you hear this. Did your mom ever have a song that went with anything? If it because mom mom's was. We were in the choir, song all the time, everything. So she had a song for when we would go take a bath. And it was like, I mean, to say it now would be very embarrassing, but it was uh, time to go wash the bootay. And she had like, a, it was melody and everything. It was, it was rolling. And we'd be marching like we was freaking the little elves. Like we was going to like, oh, shoot, we about to go take a bath. <laughs> <laughs> It was great. Yeah. But anybody out there, did y'all have a song that your parents, your mom, because it being Mother's Day in particular, that your mom would sing to you if it was going to bed, going to go get something to eat, you know, having to, you know, wash the wash yourself, whatever that, you know, that was kind of out there. So, you know, my mom had one. Everybody out there, put in the comments below and let <laughs> us know if you had a song. Any song to help you get through anything that your mom created. You remember we had the potty song too. Oh, well, we see this, this is where she don't make me cut her mic off. Like that's what I'm like, oh, we gotta cut the mic off. We gotta okay. We gotta, hold on, wrap this up. Just remember those songs. They're sweet to my heart. Oh man. It had Love you. <laughs> Love you too, mama. Thank you guys. Everybody that joined in, everybody that was watching. Once again, it's the Mid Catcher Podcast. You can check us on Facebook, YouTube, 
Uh, I'm out there on uh, on Instagram at uh, Loftonius. Um, also, or Hazadonis. I'm also out there on uh, on the Twitterverse at uh, Lofton underscore Hayes MKP. But come hit us up. Come talk to us. Subscribe. Hit the bell. Do all that good stuff. Hit the likes, the loves, everything. Give us a hug. Do all that good stuff. I really appreciate you guys out there. Mid Catch Up Podcast, Mommy's Day. It was fantastic being with y'all. And uh, you guys have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your Mother's Day. And uh, we out of here.